everyone in the restaurant's heads turn and then look at us because they're like, well, that's John Lithgow. Who the fuck's that? (laughs) PowerPoints, power lunches, conference calls, reply to all, endless meetings, constant check-ins, and so much wasted time. Are you sick of the BS? So are we. It's time to take our time back, rework the way we work, and make every call a call to action. This is a podcast for people who want to stop talking and really start connecting. This is After 12. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to After 12, 12 for 12's original podcast series that explores cool companies, brands, messages, and makers, and what compels us to take notice and to become fans. We've got a great show for you today with all the best words. My guest is a celebrated crossword puzzle maker. Since 1996, his puzzles have appeared in the New York Times, Boston Globe, and the Wall Street Journal, to name but a few. He's a regular contributor to the AV Crossword Club, and his puzzles have been mentioned on episodes of the Colbert Report, Jeopardy, and Sunday Night Football. When he's not doing puzzles, he's also a member of the Boston Typewriter Orchestra, a collective which engages in rhythmic typewriter manipulation combined with elements of performance, comedy, and satire. Internet, please join me in welcoming Brendan Emmett Quigley to After 12. How's it going, Adam? Good, how are you doing, man? Living the dream, living the dream. Well, (laughs) how is the the dream these days in these strange, nightmarish times? Well, it's fine, I mean, it's funny, like from a a puzzling perspective, it's sort of kind of blown up in a way. A lot of people just suddenly have like a load of time on their hands and they don't really know what to do. And uh, a lot of people have been taking up new projects like, you know, sourdough, bread making and crosswords, things like that stuff I'm already into. So I'm like, Hey, what the fuck took you so long? You know, I've only been doing this for years. Right. So, uh, but welcome to the, uh, welcome to the world. Right. Uh, Yeah, seriously. I mean, you've been constructing puzzles now for over 24 years. Um, that sounds about right. Yeah. I so I didn't even know uh, you and I went to the same college. Yeah. But you were doing this at the University of New Hampshire at the end of your tenure there. Yeah, I got into it. I got into. I've always been sort of a puzzle person. I've always enjoyed solving them. I hadn't really gotten into the word side of it. It was more visual and trivia based puzzles that I was interested in solving. But going into uh, my senior year. I got really into uh, solving the Times crossword because I had like a really boring job. Uh, I, I, I worked in a photocopying room in a law firm. And uh, it's like, it's, that's like uh, the definition of hell. It is a definition of hell. And like, you know, people of a certain age are going to be like, I don't know what the fuck that means. Does that have anything to do with like buggy whips and stuff? And, um, What's a photocopier? But, uh, yeah. I mean, what's a law firm, right? Um, so the, uh, yeah, so I, I would, uh, they used to let us listen to music, uh, in previous years, uh, but they, uh, put the foot down and said, no, we had to work in silence. So I needed something to do to pass the time. And I, um, I would photocopy the times crossword every day. I was like awful at it, but I figured, you know, this would be something that'll, you know, occupy me in between jobs and, uh, like a summer of doing that. Dutifully, daily, I got super addicted to it. 
and I figured, you know, why not? Let, let me just see if I could even make one of these things. Uh, I had like a really lax uh, schedule back then. I, I think my earliest class was like at three in the afternoon and I only had classes on Monday and Wednesday. So I had like tons of time to kill. Don't, don't you miss that, Craig? I mean, <laughs> yeah, well, when you got a, got a nine-year-old, it's, uh, and you work for yourself, it's like, uh, where does one thing end and the next begin, right? It exactly. just sort of all bleeds together. <laughs> but, uh, um, but yeah, no, so that's it. Yeah, I made them back then, and through stupid luck, I sold the first one to the Times, and So and the first, the first puzzle you had ever made, kind of on a lark, you were able yeah. to then sell to the New York Times. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and was, it was just dumb luck. I mean, it was like just beginner's luck. Everything worked all the rookie mistakes were easily fixable in editing so uh it was it was just stupid luck really i i i uh i, I mean there was like a, a a tiny bit of skill a tiny bit of talent but most of it was just like right place right time sort of thing i mean it, this puzzle would not be couldn't be sold anywhere today but part of that is because the industry has just changed so dramatically in the last Jesus, I guess it is 25 years. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, I made it on paper using a dictionary back in the day. And now everything, like, like it just, everything's computer assisted now. Sure. So, uh, it's, um, you know, and as such, puzzles are more ambitious. They're more, there's a lot more going on. Uh, this one, the one I made was very right over the plate. <laughs> you know, there was nothing like particularly... Uh, well, by by today's standards, there's nothing particularly out of the ordinary about it. But but it was also the kind of the auspicious introduction to you know the the master puzzle maker and editor of the New York Times crossword, Will Will Short, right? Um, I'm not following the question. Was that is that when you first met him? Uh, yeah. Well, I met him. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we we've had a long uh, and uh, good friendship, mentorship. Um, he, I've, I've learned tons from him, uh, and uh, yeah, it's been great. You know, he's uh, he's a legend for a reason. So yeah. I mean, he's got enemies for a reason too, because he's he's good at what he does. Right. I'd love to to do a little investigative journalism on the enemies of crossword puzzle creators. Like there, there must be a cloak and dagger, spy versus spy aspect to it. Exactly. You know, there's men in trench coats and they're just like putting bombs in each other's mailboxes. It's just like, exactly. If you've ever read Mad Magazine, that's exactly what Well, I mean, you know, in nearly a quarter of a century, you've penned thousands of puzzles in various sociopolitical climates, you know, so. Yes. And, and now we're living in truly intense times with, with Trump and COVID and racial tension and uh -huh. protests and economic depression and unemployment and natural disasters and no live music, which I know is probably killing you. Um, but. But since this year, uh, according to KCRW's Madeline Brand, during the coronavirus pandemic, people seem to be doing more puzzles, including jigsaws, crosswords, and the New York Times. Um, are you feeling this current spike? Are you are you yourself getting more demands for your own time, your white label puzzling? Um, and, oh, I and like that. White label. That's fun. I'm going to take that. Actually. Do it. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Uh, <laughs> 
See, cause like, like the joke I always say is like when there's like a whole wing of independent puzzle makers, and they are uh, I I I I sort of call us the uh, craft beer of like puzzle making. You know, there's like you get the big brands, you know, the Times, the Wall Street Journal, things like that, and then you've got stuff catered to a very specific audience, and those are the craft beer puzzles, like uh, you know, like my myself and the AV Club. I mean, there's hundreds popping up every day. It's it's sort of, it, you know how like we're at peak IPA, like everybody <laughs> under the sun has made hazy IPAs. Yeah. 17 different versions of the same IPA. Like we've, yeah. we've kind of reached that with crosswords as well. So if like, if you can't find a puzzle that's speaking to you, then maybe you just don't like crosswords. Um, but now to answer your question in terms of, have I seen a spike? What I have seen a spike is people who have been, uh, who have written to me and said, you know, life's tough, man. And, uh, you know, you've brought a little bit of, uh, enjoyment and entertainment, made me laugh during this, uh, pretty, uh, exhausting time. And, and I, I uh, appreciate that because I, I, I see a little bit of, uh, you know, of traffic and going up and whatnot. Uh, but, uh, I, it's sort of a weird industry to be in because, uh, you know, like, like if you do like a live performance, like you're doing a, you know, a show or you're doing some stand up or you're acting or on stage, not like in a movie or something, you hear the audience's reaction immediately, you know, right. they're, they're booing, they're throwing tomatoes or they're like rolling in the aisles and, you know, uproarious applause. But now with this, this is a, this is a long distance uh, entertainment. Uh, I'm in Boston and you, you know, you're in Portland and you know, I, I don't have any, I, unless I'm like watching you solve it online on Twitch or something, I'm, I have no idea, you know, what tickled you, what stumped you. And so a lot of it's just sort of like, I'm just, I know I'm entertaining people and it's just kind of, it's going out there and you know, yeah, there's some blogs that write about it and, you know, I do read those every now and again, but I don't have any idea what the average person does and how they feel about it. And so what's been fascinating is that a lot of people have written in and, and said as such just how important it's been to them. So uh, it's nice. And it's a, and it's also, a, it's also a fascinating uh, industry because I think uh, it, 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 it's a, it, it's an entertainment field that speaks to so many different, such a huge audience, mm -hmm. right? And I think we puzzle makers are working our best to try to reflect that. I mean, we're already going to have the mentality of like, write what you know, right? So, I mean, I'm not that into movies, so I'm not going to really write many movie crosswords. Um, but, and I'm into music, so I'm going to write more music based crosswords than movie ones. But in the, all the other stuff that isn't the theme uh, we, we try to make a point of, of sort of drawing from different backgrounds, right? Right. So you don't want to just go too sports heavy, too male heavy, too, too, you, you want to have it sort of be a mirror to, to society, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, I don't know where I'm going with this. Do you have any idea where I'm going <laughs> with this? No, I think I do. So, I mean, it, uh, it, You've written thousands of puzzles and, you know, I, I like once you get to like five, then the number just doesn't mean anything anymore. It's just becomes this like it's like watership down. They run out of digits to count 
and then it just becomes infinity. And so I, I think I've achieved infinity, like, I think 20 there. years ago. So I've been, like, beyond the infinite. It's like the last third act of 2001 forever, you know? Right, right. Well, I mean, so in, in 2007, um, the Boston Globe magazine credited you with making the New York Times crossword hip uh, again. And I, or, but or that hip. was like, that's like 13 years it's ago. It's 13 and years, like, right. And there's so, been so many, there's been so much other new blood since then. I think, right, sorry, I guess, I'm sorry, I stepped on your question. You can go ahead. It's okay. So, but, but I guess what I'm trying to say is... Um, you kind of opened, I think, a floodwater for other hip people to come in as interns at the, the New York Times magazine or uh, crosswords or, you know, other puzzle makers to start, you know, looking at very unique thematic elements. I think, you know, for instance, um, your your love and passion of music and specifically, you know, um, independent labeled music. I remember, you know, like you introduced me to pavement in college, um, and you know, Sebado and, 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 and music that like, I probably wouldn't have heard otherwise. Cause you, you either read about it and you know, those photocopied zines, the kind of zines that Mike, Mike <laughs> yeah. Fournier used to do those. Zines. Oh, totally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. but another but, friend of ours. Yeah, but probably I mean, watching it, so. it. Hopefully, Mike. Hi. the The thing is, the the crossword puzzle, especially the New York Times crossword puzzle, is is iconic. It's ubiquitous. People, I mean, you know, again, yes. like you said, a, a huge swath of you know America, you know, reads and, and plays these puzzles. Um, I guess my my first question when I was like thinking, what do I want to ask him is is how do you come up with your themes? Um, you've done so many different things. Do you worry about like Oh, I've, I've done this before. Have I Do you know, like, um, is it, is it difficult to, 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 to make sure that you're inspiring yourself? Cause I know you, you too, Brendan have a very high standard in terms of the, the work you produce, your creative. Well, um, how do I, how does anyone come up with any ideas? I mean, that's like the million yeah. dollar question for everyone who's creative, right? Um, you know, aside from the idea tree that we have growing on our porch, uh, it's just having a warped uh, view of the world, really. Um, an idea can come about from anything. It could be um, maybe someone's trying to say something and their tongue gets tied and it comes out all wrong. And you're like, hey, wait, maybe there's something there if I, you know, go along in that a slip of the tongue, or it might be something that you, uh, you, you, you might read something in the news and you, uh, take whatever is you're reading literally and, and, and sort of make, make riff on that as a theme. Um, I'm trying to think, uh, of an example, like, um, well, uh, I'm making one for, uh, a magazine and it, the title is swing states and it's, you take a a state's name like Minnesota and you swing all the letters around and you get nominates. So you gotcha. have both of those answers in there. So I've just taken a phrase and go, well, what do you literally do with it? You, and then that becomes a gimmick. So, um, I love that. Yeah. Well, thanks. That's the only good one <laughs> in the whole batch. So, but um, I, I imagine too, just from Texas popular... and taxes. There's another <laughs> Texas one. Texas and taxes. I like that. But um, you were saying, yeah. No, I, I imagine you know 
right now there is an endless um, artillery of ideas and just how bizarre and perverse and and just incredibly dystopian the world has become. I mean, I often wonder what the writers at The Onion are able to do with the ridiculous bylines with, you know, the crazy shit making actual headlines on a daily oh, sure. basis. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think, you know, this, this comes up a lot with other puzzle people. We really are in like a, a golden era of puzzling and it's entirely due to the internet. I mean, like when I started making them, you know, not, I mean, I'm an old man. I'm like, I'm a middle-aged dude, man. So, uh, you know, I had to, I had to find a, a New York Times laying around the, uh, the student union building back when we were there. So that was the only way to do the Times Crosser. Well, nowadays, I mean, it's all on your phones. Yeah. And if you go to the Internet and you can type, you know, the Sydney Morning Herald, well, you can pull up that crossword if you want to do it. I mean, you have literally every puzzle uh, accessible to your hands right now. So um, you'd think that... And then, and then you throw in all the independent uh, uh, puzzle markets and whatnot. You'd think that, well, we, we've achieved um, some sort of a, a, a saturation of the market. Yeah. But what's amazing about it is that it, it, despite the fact that we have access to everything and there are all these creative people doing it, it everyone is coming at it completely differently and looking at things uh, with a new, different perspective. Like if I said to any of my puzzle colleagues, why don't you make a puzzle about swing states? I can guarantee that we'd probably come up with like five different ideas, all of them valid, just using that word. I mean, that's how fertile and creative and immediate uh, the puzzle entertainment industry is right now. It's, it's, it's remarkable. So when it really is a very, uh, it's the golden age. Uh, I mean, it, the golden age they said before was the 20s, and that's when it was like a big fad. But realistically, today, uh, in terms of ambition and erudition and access, I mean, uh, it's crazy. Like, I, I'm friends with a lot of very, 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 very fast solvers. I mean, they can do a New York Times Monday puzzle in two minutes on paper. Wow. Writing this down, it's like insanity. And I'm also friends with uh, some solvers from whose heyday, unfortunately, I mean, they're, they're still blindingly fast, but they've been supplanted by uh, the COVID depression. <laughs> yeah. But those people did not have access to like the thousands of puzzles that are accessible nowadays. So it's yeah. not uncommon that today's speed solvers, they'll do 15 to 20 a day. And to mere mortals, you go, Jesus Christ, how much time do you have to do anything else? Well, for them, it's like, you know, going to the gym, 45 minutes, bang out, you know, 15 puzzles. You're like, okay, now what? I guess now I guess I have to go to the home gym, right? Right. Well, do you so, think with the, uh, the, the advent of applications too, I mean, we're, we're getting another renaissance. I know back in the, the middle of this decade, um, you know, the, uh, 
in, in 2014, the, the Atlantic published a piece called Down But Not Out, The Uncertain Future of the Crossword Puzzle, about the history. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah, and I mean, going back to your point about the, the 1920s, I mean, it was in fad, and, you know, flappers who would go to parties and dancing would, would have that black and white print kind of, mm-hmm. you know, emulating the crossword puzzle scene. Yeah, um, the Great Gatsby. The Great there Gatsby, go. there you go. And And now it seems like with, you know, the... The, the fact that everybody has, you know, mobile technology and, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's just so much easier to your point to get the crossword puzzles. So, I mean, I, I imagine with this, this you know, current quarantine pandemic that maybe this this rise will be something that keeps going, keeps, you know, going into the 2020s. I mean, who the hell knows, man? It's um, I mean, accessibility and uh, the fact that so many of them are free or next to nothing is always going to be an attractive um, lore. Uh, the crossword is incredibly versatile. Back to my point, I think, that I was trying to make when we, we want to have it be a reflection on society because it isn't stuck in the 20s. It's still modern. It's still trying to push things forward. It's still trying to be about today, and that's it. I think because of that, it does have legs. Yes, there will be other fads. I think the, I'm not quite sure when that Atlantic article was. It might have been around the time of uh, Sudoku, which is a phenomenal puzzle. Probably yeah. the last really big one to come out. Yep. Um, and But at the time when that was, that was a fad, it, well, I mean, it's still, it's, look, it's a classic. It's going to be there yeah. forever. But at the time, that was the big fad thing, so... You know, puzzling moved to Japanese named logic puzzles for, you know, about six or seven months. And then it went, you know, the, it, the market corrected itself. It's, uh, you know, um, I, yeah, I, it, it's to, to write it off is the concern that people have when they, when they write off the crossword is that so many people get on, get into them watching their parents doing a crossword or, or grandparents or maybe flipping through a dead tree edition and seeing the grid and going, Oh, what, what is this? Let me try to understand this. Mm-hmm. And so you do, they fear that the ritual or the, the accidental stumbling upon it is going to be missing. But what they don't take into consideration is like, uh, <laughs> you just can't predict what is going to be, the the fad or the thing that gets your attention that day with the internet it just it's it's just simply impossible and again uh, well on, on that note we have, the attention, <laughs> we, have the, we have the attention span of gnats now you know i well uh, that's and, true and, and i and, think the crossword slows everything down right you know to right. a point of like well hang on Let's uh, let's work on this now because I know the answer to that. That's the character in uh, Orange is the New Black. So let me work off of that and then see see where this goes. And oh, aren't I clever for seeing right through this clue and putting that answer down? And the next thing you know, maybe you get it like, hooks you in. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Maybe you're hooked. So um, yeah, I think it does slow things down, and it's sort of and it, and it does sort of block off. Excuse the. The pun, Why? because we're we're working in blocks and grids and stuff. You're like, I'm only going to focus on this. I'm blocking everything else out 
of the world. And I mean, I think that that's one thing I try to do with the puzzles is, is sort of, you maybe you find the humor in what's happening, but you don't hit them over the head with it. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, and they're also time capsules, right? I mean, the references to current culture, the themes that you come up with, I mean, you know, these, these things are going to last until the next news cycle. And, and you might forget, but if you go back and play a puzzle from earlier in the year, you're like, oh yeah, the, the Australian wildfires, <laughs> that was a, that was a big deal. Um, right. And, yeah. Is that this year? My God. Do you still um, sol solve a lot quick? Uh, I do. I solve a lot of, uh, weird British puzzles <laughs> because, uh, uh, they make me think differently. They're, they're a different style, right? I mean, they're the way totally different. Yeah. Um, they're more riddles. They're not uh, American ones. Uh, there's a balance between trivia, uh, playing with the language uh, and um, straight up uh, dictionary definitions. Uh, whereas like with British ones, each clue has uh, like some sort of a riddle and uh, to it. It's hard, kind of hard to explain. No, I, um, I I've, I've seen, I've seen the difference. I, yeah, it's, it's definitely, um, a different level of clever, I think in the, the British puzzles. Well, um, yeah, it just, it, it's just like any other project. It, it takes a little bit of time to learn how to learn the vocabulary and then you, you build off of that. Um, yeah, I mean, it, like crossroads, like American crossroads are completely arcane to like, beginning solvers. I mean, they don't have any idea what half of these answers are because, it, but there's like a understanding that there's like a certain amount of, uh, vowel heavy answers that we assume everyone knows, like your oleos and your areas and your arias and that, and your epes mm -hmm. and your etuis and so on and so forth. You know, I mean, most people are never going to encounter this stuff in real life. Um, I've never cooked with oleo, um, but, um, but you know, you just sort of, but I think until you get into this field, it, I mean, it, it comes across as this like, you know, foreign language. So I think, um, the same thing with like trying to do like crossroads and I do think English and Australian, British and Australian English is a foreign language <laughs> Yeah, Be because they different slang and different spellings and whatnot. So there is a, an understanding of those in as much as there are the U S ones. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Like yeah. That was a real rambling. How, do, how <laughs> nonsense do you, question. <laughs> when, when, when you're asked in interviews, uh, how do you describe your style? Do you have a, a style? Uh, well, I hope it is, uh, challenging but fair i would hope it is funny i would hope it makes you uh look at the world or maybe language a little bit differently than uh, you normally would um i think i don't know you're gonna find a lot of like music and sports in there so um i don't both, know uh, drinking <laughs> I'm sure you're, you're I read a whole book about drinking puzzles. I, I saw with my that. friend Francis. So 
Uh, I'm sure you're lamenting the the loss of being able to to see a baseball game in person. I mean, you know, to go. Well, to Fenway. not baseball so much, but uh, um, but yeah, no, I know. Yeah, it's um, it's tough, man. What are you gonna do? You know. Um, are you still so every week you post two crosswords on your website on Monday yep. and Thursday? How long mm-hmm. have you been doing that? Um, back in it's like December of '08, something like that. It just seems like forever. It was one of those things that once I did it, I had I had such an anxiety about doing it that it sort of stopped me from accomplishing. But then once I did it, I was like, oh, geez, I should have done this like six years earlier, you know? Um, and I think, uh, yeah, there's two free puzzles a week. We uh, treating this like Radiohead, you know, who doesn't now? <laughs> this, stuff's, this stuff's for free. You know, and uh, pay what you want, and uh, most people, you know, forget to pay me. So that's why I'm. That's how I stay thin, right? It's, it's your. Do. It's your kid B. Is my kid what? Kid B, not kid A. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm already down to like kid t- triple Z, triple, right? Triple you know? Z, yeah. <laughs> kid B, kid C, kid D, all the way down to kid double A, kid double B, and so. On. But, well, um, you, so you have you have some some pretty serious fans of you know in your own right that love your style and what what you do. And, yeah. Um, in 2017, the actor John Lithgow reached out to you to collaborate. How, how did that happen? Well, the uh, that was to I think it was to celebrate the Times' hundredth anniversary of Running right. Crosswords, and so they had this idea of getting. Uh, Will has a dutiful. It, it, Will has kept a list of all these celebrities who have, you know, said they like doing the crosswords, and so he thought it would be interesting to try to reach out to them, see if they'd have any interest in making one, and then pair them up with someone. And usually, there was like some sort of a linking element to it, um, uh, like. Um, well, I think I think I I think very there was a there's of course now that now that I'm put on the spot I can't remember any of them but uh, you know obviously you know when John uh, Lithgow's name came up Will immediately thought of me because of all the movies that I've been in and you know I look exactly like John Lithgow right you know people stop me on the street and go I loved you in Third Rock from the Sun man so uh, but um, you played God. I know it's right, right? Yeah. So um, no, I I, I think uh, he was. What, the reality was is he was in town to film a movie, and he was here for a week or so. We met up, we got dinner, uh, and it was it was like a, it was like right out of the right out of like a Scorsese movie. It was crazy. Like I got there, like I was like so nervous about meeting this guy that I showed up early, and I was like, man, I better not go to the bar because I'll probably like drink nervously and I'll be like completely trashed. So I was like, no, I, I can't do that. I can't do that. So what I'm going to, I'll, there was a coffee shop across the street and I just got a coffee and I was like, just watching every person go in. And cause you figure John Lithgow, he's like, you're going to recognize what he looks like. He's like seven and, feet tall. And- yeah, exactly. So, um, so I'm watching everyone and like, he, he, he never came in. So I was like, all right, well the time is now I better go over, go in and cross the street. And, um, turns out I knew the, 
the the guy working at the restaurant, he's like the greeter, said, "Oh, hey, Brendan, how you doing?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'm here to meet my friend John." And he's like, "Oh yeah, right this way." And he walks me like through the restaurant, and like way all the way in the back, the the farthest away from the door, <laughs> with his back to the wall, facing out, so he can see the entire restaurant. There's John Lithgow. He stands up and he's like, I mean, as as tall as like. You know, Sequoia. He's like gigantic. Oh, hey, how you doing? You know, like shaking my hand and like John, nice to meet. And I, it's but you could just feel like everyone in the restaurant's heads turn and then look at us because they're like, well, that's John Lithgow. Who the fuck's that? And they're like trying to figure this out. And my 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 backs to the restaurant the whole time. So everyone's like, I don't know, man. I can't, I can't place him. And it was weird because, like, immediately to my left was there was like a couple, and they were on a date, and she wasn't paying any attention to him. She was looking at our table the entire time because, again, <laughs> like, it's John Lithgow. Yeah. She got to reach over and touch him. But um, anyway, so we just talked puzzles, and I mean, he's a a very bright and uh, curious man. He was do he did a lot of research. He thought a lot about. Uh, the types of puzzles that he liked doing. He, he showed me his app. He had uh, uh, the app, I guess, keeps all your times about how long it takes to do these. And he, you know, dutifully showed me like all these things that, uh, oh, look at how fast I've done these puzzles. And I've been doing this. I've done this streak for so long. And it was, uh, it was really remarkable. He, um, you know, we, we, we bounced ideas off each other, uh, pitched them to Will. Will took it. He he was there for everything. I I showed him this is how you develop a theme. This is how you put them into a. Oh, I guess this is something we should probably say to people who have no idea how to make a puzzle, right? Yeah. Uh, this goes for like every puzzle on the planet. You start with the thing that the solver ends with, and then you work backwards, and you're done when it's the first thing. When you get the first thing that the solver sees. Gotcha. Right? So think about it like this, like a jigsaw puzzle. I'm going to take a photograph of this landscape, and I'm going to cut it up into a thousand pieces, and then I'm going to give it to you, Adam, and go, put it back together again. So then you put it back together again, you saw the first thing I saw, right? So it's the same thing with a crossword. I, you start with the solution. Specifically, you start off with the theme, whatever the gimmick is. You flesh that out. You put them in a grid symmetrically meaning that the grid's going to look the same upside down as it does right side up. Do, gotcha. I, have, do I have one of these lying around? I usually and, have books. And the programs that you work with, right? They, they help you do that too? Or? Yeah. They, they take all the, um, you know, do all the mechanical stuff, but, mm -hmm. um, and then you just, you fill in the answers. You start with the ones that cross as many theme answers as possible because those are locked in. And then you just work simultaneously across and down until you get to a corner and you do up to this corner and so on and so forth. And then you've got the whole thing filled out and there you go. You write the clues and then you take away all the answers and you go, Adam, now you solve it. So, uh, right. So, so back to Lithgow, he was there for the theme development. He was there for the uh, construction of the grid. He wrote all the clues first and then I wrote a bunch more and Will wrote a bunch more and that was it. It was uh, it was a really fun and fascinating fun. experience. Yeah. Wow. Cool. Yeah. That's I mean and and to 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 be so well matched with somebody that, you know, is is curious and 
and, you know, I don't know, we'll go, go to areas and explore different things. I think, you know, he's one of these actors too, that, I mean, he's done children's albums. He's, he's directed, he's produced, he's, you know, done serious. He's done, you know, action adventure. Um, so yeah. it's cool. And that actually just came in. That just, uh, yeah, that just came across when we were in the room together, that he had that sort of, um, curiosity, you know, and like always wanting to know a little bit more and, and, uh, you know, pulling in different things from his background. Uh, I rem- when we were doing, when we were filling in the grid, I mean, we, I have, um, curated word lists that can, I can say, well, what would fit in this, um, space that goes blank, blank, E, blank, 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 R, blank, blank, blank. And it will, uh, list everything. Oh, in nice. Alphabetical nice. Order. Uh, everyone does this now. That's how crossroads are made. Um, and when I say curated word lists, I mean, I have numerous ones digitized, but there's other websites that you can put in that pattern and it will search the entire internet and you can find things that aren't in anyone's word list. And then of course, you know, you use your mind, right? You use right. stuff that you just sort of pull from your own experience uh, and see what you can make fit in in conjunction with all the other answers in the grid. And what was fed, and the re- so the reason I bring this up is that we were looking at some, you know, entry and there were a couple of letters locked in and he was thinking about it, thinking about it. And he was like, Oh, Katisha. And she was a character from, um, uh, um, what is the, uh, what is it from the three little maids from school? Are we, what is it? Uh, the Mikado. Three blind mice? What? The Mikado. The Mikado. Okay. And, uh, she was a, like a minor character in the Mikado, but I remember that growing up my parents used to listen to it so i was like it wasn't in my word list and i was like we got to go with this because it was um a new it answer was... we love we love putting new answers in it was something that he had come up with and um and it seemed very much john lithgow in terms of like uh you know it was a theater term a theater yeah a term in theater character in theater and um I don't know. I just loved that answer. I bring that up all the time because it just, it's, uh, those are the things you sort of live for when you like, you, you pull a pull an answer out of like thin air and you're like, Oh my God, this is the only thing that would have fit in there. And it's, and, and I'm the only person who would ever think to put that answer in a puzzle. It's kind of amazing that this kind of convergence of a very analog inspiration, imagination, you know, based kind of, process in terms of the themes and when you do get an original answer and then kind of having the tools, um, you know, the technology to, to find, you know, the placement of the E is the fifth letter of a 10 letter word, you know, like mm-hmm. having that kind of it at your reference. Um, but I think that analog thing is really interesting. And I, I do want to shift gears real quick because not that you have a lot of free time given that you're doing two free puzzles plus all of your white label puzzles plus all of the puzzles you're selling to, um, the different, you know, magazines or puzzle services. I, I, I guess I, I, I think of the analog and I think of the typewriter and I think of your involvement in the Boston typewriter orchestra. Yeah. Uh, which on the website says the Boston Typewriter Orchestra is a collective endeavor which engages in rhythmic typewriter manipulation combined with elements of performance, comedy, and satire. Uh, it aims to entertain the masses while providing an outlet for the creative urges of its members. Tell us about BTO. How did you get involved? How long have you been doing it? 
Well, I think it's been 10 years now, actually. Wow. Um, I know. It's crazy. But um, wait, it might even be longer. It might be 12. I don't know. Again, if we're back to Watership Down. I've run out of digits. I can't right. count. It's like I'm in it's infinity. infinity years beyond the infinite. Um, yeah, I've been doing this for a while now. Um, they, it, I, I joined after the fact. They'd been doing this for a while. Uh, I'd seen a show or two. They played with an old band of mine. Well, actually, we did two shows with them. And um, it just seemed like a lot of fun. Um, uh, I've always... Well, I've been in bands more or less since, like, 98. And um, played various different things over the years. And uh, I just... I wanted to keep doing it, but I also sort of did not want to... Uh, I wanted to take all the pressure off, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't want to try to make it. I didn't want to try to um, load um, seven cabinets <laughs> up and down stairs or a drum kit and whatnot. So I wanted. And you had to, been on uh, tour a lot too. I mean, I saw you the last time in two thousand seven. Yeah, you were with Campaign in, for Real Time in L.A. Down in L.A. Yeah, yeah, that was right. Um, so that was. I mean, that was fun, but I just kind of got burnt out with it. But I, but as a sort of I wanted a creative outlet and, and I enjoyed the performance end of it. So, um, I joined the, the typewriters and it's been, it's, it's funny. It's like the act that uh, it's, it, so we're, how do I, let's try that again. So the typewriters we're we're a bunch of old lifers, right? We've been doing this for, we've been doing music in some capacity for a while now. And this was just sort of an outlet to kind of be goofy and have fun with it. And it's like far and away the most successful act that any of us have ever been in. Now, a huge portion of that has to do with it's a novelty, you know, and we acknowledge that it's a novelty act. But uh, we do take it seriously and we do try to challenge ourselves. And, um, you know, we've got a new record uh, coming out in September of this year. I don't know when this is going to post, but... Uh, we recorded uh, with Grammy winner uh, Kurt Ballou up in Salem, Mass. He's cool. a he's a metal guy, and we figured, well, like we have metal typewriters, so let's uh, let's work with him. And uh, actually, but I, I don't know. We, we knew Kurt from back in the day. He's in Converge, and they're like uh, an institution in metal, and certainly in Boston music. So. Um, yeah, we recorded it with him. We we did do a, a metal song. We we wrote a uh, uh, <laughs> blast beat metal song that I sing. Uh, uh, well, sing lyrics to. Uh, they're all gibberish nonsense, but uh, it's a showstopper live. Uh, and actually, now the beard really I think sells the idea. I did see a video, and maybe you'll use this in the B-roll of the last show we did. Okay. And I'm just starting to get. The beard in it, and uh, uh, when we do Malort, the metal song, it's uh, <laughs> Malort, the 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 uh, Chicago-based cocktail. That's it. That's exactly song. it. Yeah, yeah. One yeah. of the guys is from Chicago, and he was he he brought a bottle over, and we were like, "All right, we'll give this a shot." And, yeah, no, that's just not good. <laughs> so, let them uh, discern. The lot, let thought, them partake. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but um, but yeah, you know, it's a it's a creative endeavor in terms of like. You know, we try to figure out new ways to make sounds out of 
things that aren't really designed. I mean, well, they, they obviously make sounds, but they're not designed to make sounds. They're designed to communicate. But, you know, we've taken them apart, put them back together again. We've put pipes in there. We've uh, use sheet we metal. Use, we use them as bongo drums. We throw them on the table. We pick them up and slam them. We find we have we have we are constantly trying to find new ways to coax noises out of this machine. It's it's basically I say it's stomp meets the office. And what's the shelf life of these poor typewriters? Um, that's a good question. I guess it depends. Um, I'm using one that Kurt gave me actually for Kurt cool. Blue that we recorded with. Uh, but and that one's like some. I mean, this thing is like a Sherman tank. It's probably like 10 pounds and it's pretty durable, but the cheap ones that, I don't know, maybe like the 60s, 70s models, those don't last very long. So, cause I mean, we're, we're, we're like slamming them very hard. Um, <clears throat> but the older ones tend to be a little more durable. Um, we've written, uh, we've written a, uh, few, we have a few songs or maybe just one. We uh we have one song uh that uses one specific key that's on one specific typewriter and it and that key breaks almost immediately. So we are always looking for that typewriter so that we could do that one live. It's uh the key is called a power space and if you you push it it goes and, and that's it. That's the only thing it does. And, gotcha. And so we've got a, a, a sort of a groove that you know, it, it's our stoner jam. Uh, it's there's a very much a, a drum circle element to the Boston Typewriter Orchestra, and so I could imagine that you know people who are into you know well, and there's also patchouli kind of the... <laughs> and you know hacky sacks and the... you know s smoking copious weed would be like yeah man. Co combined with kind of commedia dell'arte, like the the uh, totally. that you guys i mean it's kind of ex extemporaneous i mean you've got the bits um every every performance um the context is that you are in an office you wear slacks and white shirts and ties um, exactly yeah bring your pens and notebooks Gotta write it all down at the staff meeting. At the staff meeting. Just a bunch of bullshit. Bring your best ideas and keep them to yourself. At the well, staff that's the, yeah, that's the gimmick is that we're in some typing pool hell and <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's like you know, like in the movie Brazil, where it says yeah. like it takes place somewhere in the 20th century, like. That's yes. basically what the BTO is. Like we take place somewhere in the 20th because like we're talking about like, you know, Twitter and shit. But, you know, we're on typewriters and like there's no typewriters left, you know. So it doesn't make any sense. But um um Yeah, I don't know. We don't we 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 know it's silly and we don't take ourselves very seriously, but we take it seriously. It's awesome. I, yeah. I mean, I guess the one thing I was going to say is you guys don't really perform too much outside of New England. I think you've been to Chicago uh, and D.C. Yeah, and been to Chicago and down to D.C. That's about it. It's mo And it was mostly just because, like I was saying earlier, we don't really... Uh, I mean, we all have... Day jobs. Yeah, we're not getting in a van for this. But, <laughs> what about uh, an airplane? Uh, absolutely. If the, you know, yeah. I mean, we would definitely do it uh, if we can get the if we can line it up. But, yeah. You know, 
It's like the, like a tribe called Quest said, if there ain't no dough, there ain't no show. <laughs> Amen. Well, Quig, it's been a total pleasure talking with you. I mean, from words in a a puzzle to keys on a typewriter, man, you're definitely doing some really cool stuff. Um, One of the things that I just love about being able to have this little podcast time is to connect with old friends. And um, I guess my, my final question for you is, what is a seven letter word for the rightful student body president of the University of New Hampshire <laughs> in 1996. Oh, man. Well, hopefully this does not make it in the... <laughs> Quigley. <laughs> the answer is Quigley. All right. I'm going to push stop now. Yeah. Thank you so much, Quig. <laughs> no, good seeing you, man. All, All right. right. Cheers. <laughs>